0: Hey, everyone, this is Craig Valentine from TurbulousTraining.com and TTFatLoss.com here with another great seven-day fat-burning coaching call, and this time we're going to talk about how to get lean and jacked with the Get Lean and Jacked Meatheads program, and we're also going to talk a little bit about an upcoming program I have called TT Transformation 3. Now, I just got back from Mexico. I uh, had a nice little trip down there, hung out with a lot of fitness experts, and I shot a workout video with my friend Isabel de los Rios. I learned some new exercises from Bodyweight King Adam Steer and my funny friend John Romanello, and I cheated my way thin with Mr. Joel Marion. And that's not a joke, actually, because I didn't come back with any more body fat than I left. I definitely ate some extra meals that I don't usually eat. I'm going to share those with you in a new travel report that I'm putting together. So, If you haven't seen the old travel report, make sure that you get it at turbulencetraining.com forward slash travel report. Once you're on the list, you're also going to get alerted when this new free report is done, and it has even more cool travel tips in this one uh, in addition to the last one. So we really got some great stuff. Now, while I was there, I worked on a new program called TT Transformation 3. It's going to be out this Tuesday, September 28th, bundled with Turbulence Training 1 and Turbulence Training 2. And now when you have each of those four-week workouts, you're going to have a 12-week program. And with this series, you can lose 5 to 10% body fat and completely change your life in 12 weeks. That is why the TT Transformation Programs are named Transformation. So you're going to love those, and they're going to be out as a bonus to Josh Pizzoni's nutrition program. So you're going to have the workouts and the nutrition program to really help you get lean for the rest of the year. Now I also have some diet tips. Basically... This time I'm talking about alcohol and fat loss, and that's going to be later in the call, so stay tuned. Now let's get into it. We're going to start with the transformation tip of the week and then get into the workout of the week. So for Monday, September 27th, here is your transformation tip. It's Kekich Credo number 51, and I cut it down a little bit. Basically, it essentially says, you become who you associate with. Cut ties with lazy, negative, dishonest people. And my thoughts on this are do not accept anything less than the best from your social support. This is your life we're talking about. So if somebody lies, cheats, or steals around you, lies to you, steals from you, cheats on you, those type of people really don't belong to have a significant place in your life. It may take some difficult choices, but if you really want to move ahead with your life, you really need to get rid of those people. I'm lucky because I've never really spent a lot of time around those types of people, And so I've never had to cut out old friends, even if we may have different, you know, goals and stuff right now. And But I'm able to get so many new friends in. And, you know, obviously you don't want to have those people in the first place. But if they are sabotaging your life, you really need to make a very serious decision about them. All right. Now, just like last week, I want to move into a turbulence training workout that needs to get a little more love because it's a great program. Not enough people are using it. Not enough people know about it. It's kind of... Overshadowed by turbulence training three, or sorry, turbulence training for meatheads three, and turbulence training for meatheads five, and even turbulence training for meatheads one. And so this one is called Get Lean and Jacked. It just does not get enough props, I guess the kids would say. It doesn't get enough compliments. It doesn't get enough use. And so I want to go over it today, and you should consider using this one if you want to gain muscle and lose body fat. It's a little more advanced, obviously. It's a meatheads program, so there's a little bit more heavy lifting in So workout A starts like this. We're going to start with a triple press, six repetitions per position. And so you're going to start in the incline position, a bit of a steeper incline, sorry. So not a full-on shoulder press, but a steep incline. And you're going to do six repetitions. From there, you're going to move the bench down until it is a in regular incline or a low incline. And you're going to do six more repetitions with the same weight because you're going from a difficult position to a stronger position. And then after you've done six reps with that, you're going to move down to a flat press. And so you do this with as little rest as possible, and you use a weight that you can only do about eight times in that top position. And so that's the triple press. Then you rest and you move on to the next exercise, which is an inverted row, so a bodyweight row. And then you're going to do that superset just one more time instead of three times. Uh, because you're doing the triple press, so that's a lot of pressing there. Then you're going to move on to uh, push-up and go two repetitions short of failure and a barbell row for eight reps. So this is where we're getting the upper back more than the pushing muscles. You can do that, uh total of three, circuit, or three supersets there. Then into chin-ups and dips as a superset. You go through that twice, and then finally finish off with some ab exercises, the stability ball rollout for 10 reps, and the cross-body mountain climber, 10 reps per side and you're going to go through that three times. All right, so that's a great workout. Obviously, there is a focus on lifting, and so that's why we don't have interval training in this one. Maximum fat loss is not our goal here. It's really gain muscle and lose fat at the same time, so it's not a maintain muscle and lose fat, but a gain muscle and lose fat, so that's why we don't have intervals in there, and for people who are thinking, oh, well, I'll just add intervals onto this program. Well, it's not built like that. You know, when I build a program and I don't put intervals in, it's because there's so much other training in there that there's no room for the interval training. So we're not going to do interval training at the end of workout A. All right. Into Tuesday, 30 minutes of fun activity. And, of course, we're going to grab our green tea and take a look at some research here, which happens to be on green tea. Actually, the supplement, one of the supplement companies, uh, one of their products and the study is called The Influence of Short-Term Consumption of caffeine free epigallocatechin Epigallocatagen-3-Gallate Supplement on Resting Metabolism and the Thermic Effect of Feeding. So past research has given hope that green tea can boost metabolism. And a compound, and I mentioned that, epigallocatagen-3-Gallate, that is EGCG in green tea, might support fat-burning hormones. So EGCG is a short term, that long scientific name. You may have seen it. Um, people also might refer to it just as catechins. And so that is like the active component of green tea that has been associated with boosting metabolic rate. And what it does is it just essentially it supports the fat-burning hormones and the hormones that boost your metabolic rate. But in this study, the Colorado State University researchers provided the green tea supplements or placebo to 16 subjects and each subject did each of the conditions. So one condition, they had green tea, and another condition, they had a placebo. And, of course, going back to the title, we must realize there's no caffeine in this. So in the previous studies, in the, in the landmark study that showed you burn 80 extra calories per day if you take a high amount of EGCG and ca- a high amount of caffeine, that's what everything's based on in the supplement world about burning calories with green tea, Unlike that study, there's no caffeine in the supplement here. So what they found was EGCG on its own did not boost metabolic rate. Bottom line is that I'm unconvinced that drinking green tea or taking supplements, even with the caffeine, is actually going to boost your metabolism significantly. And when I say significantly, I mean enough to actually burn belly fat. However, of course, green tea is very healthy, and I recommend it in place of soda juice and even coffee. Now, if you replace calories, like in a soda or a juice, with a green tea, or even if you replace a coffee with lots of sugar and cream with a green tea with nothing in it, you've cut back on your calories and you can lose belly fat. But just drinking green tea on its own, I don't think there's any chance that you're going to burn belly fat at all. Now, if you take a high amount of EGCG and a high amount of caffeine, which is tough to know if you're doing these days because supplement makers don't really list how much is in each of the supplements, it becomes very difficult to believe that taking a commercial supplement is going to allow you to lose fat. And so I'm just not believing it until I see some really strong research that says otherwise. So I hope you understand that's really my full dissertation on green tea right there. There's not too much else to add. All right, into Wednesday, second research study I want to share with you. This one is called Mid-Arm Muscle Circumference, Physical Performance and Mortality, Results from the Aging and Longevity Study in the Sorrento Geographic Area. And I apologize if I said that incorrectly, but it, Italian researchers were studying 357 seniors from that area of Italy. And what they basically found was that mid-arm muscle circumference, you know, the size of your guns, to put it in uh, bodybuilder terms, was associated with better performance in older people and more muscle meant a lower risk of death. So one thing that kind of gets under my skin is that people in the fitness world, they just harp on cardio being so important for older people, you know, for longevity. You know, Not just for older people, but for people to, to do for longevity. You know, for, if you want to live longer, you got to, you know, go on the treadmill. And, and the truth is that it's not as important as people make it out to be. Nutrition is the most important component of living longer, far more important than exercise, just like when it comes to fat loss. And these people who are all about cardio underestimate the importance of strength training in longevity. So for whatever reason, the more muscle you seem to have, the longer your lifespan tends to be. And probably what's going to happen here is that people are able to function longer, And so as soon as you stop functioning at an older age, then things really drop off. And so people who are stronger also tend to have better balance and don't fall down and break their hips. And once you break your hip and you have to go to the hospital at an old age, you're in a lot of trouble because you're not moving. Um, You know, your cardiovascular system is not getting any stimulus. And you can get cardiovascular stimulus just from everyday activities. But if you're lying in bed because you weren't strong enough and you broke your hip, Things are really not looking good for older people in that situation. So, in the future, we're going to see a lot more emphasis on the importance of strength training for older people. And, you know, you heard it here first. That's one of the first places you heard it for sure. And so I just want to recommend strength training to everyone at every age. So conclusion from these researchers was the present study suggests that among community-dwelling old, old subjects, and yes, they did use the phrase old, old, muscle mass may be positively related to functional performance and survival. So pass that along to anybody who's caring for older adults. And of course, you're not going to go and start having someone who's 75 years old bench press, but, you know, resistance tubing, then eventually like dumbbells, and you're going to get them training with strength training. It's going to help them out. It really will. All right. Into workout B. What you're going to do in the first exercise, you're going to do dumbbell forward lunges. You're not going to superset this with anything. You're going to do eight reps on one side. Then you're going to rest 30 seconds and do the other side. Sorry, you're going to repeat the other side right away. Then you're going to rest 30 seconds, go through it again, rest 30 seconds, and go through both legs again. So... You can actually do alternating sides or one leg at a time there. It doesn't matter. I made a mistake there at the start. So you do dumbbell forward lunges, eight reps per side, rest 30 seconds, repeat that two more times. Now, on to our next, our first superset, our first pair of exercises anyways. You can do barbell squats for 12 reps, rest a minute, and do a back extension exercise. If you don't have back extension, you can do stability ball leg like curls. Then, after you've done the first exercise and then the first superset, now you're into what I call the Kettlebell 500. You're going to do each exercise in as few sets as possible. You're going to need the Kettlebell Swings as a straight set, and you're going to do bodyweight squats and stability ball jackknives in a superset, again, resting as little as possible. So here's how this goes. You're going to start with two hand Kettlebell Swings, 200 repetitions. So... You're just going to go straight. You know, you might be able to do 40, then you'll have to take 30-second rest, and then another 30, and so on and so forth. So you're going to use a kettlebell that you can do 30 to 40 swings with, hopefully more. Really, it's going to become a mental thing as you get closer to 30 or 40. Um, you know, mentally, you're going to quit rather than physically. So you're not going to use the heaviest kettlebell. You're not going to use a kettlebell you can only do 10 swings with. You're going to do, uh, use a lighter kettlebell. So be very conservative. And so you're going to do, you know, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 20 reps. So you got all 200 kettlebell swings. Then you move on into bodyweight squats. You do 200 reps and then you do stability ball jackknives 100 reps. So you can go back and forth with the bodyweight squats and the jackknives. So you might do 25 bodyweight squats, 20 stability ball jackknives, back to 25 bodyweight squats and so on and so forth until you finish. That superset, you will have done 500 repetitions in those three exercises. And that's it. That's it for that workout. So no interval training to tack on there. On Thursday, we move into our 30 minutes of fun activity, so an off day. And we take a look at our Facebook question of the week from the TurbulenceTrainingFanPage.com. And the question is, is it okay to work out intensely five times per week? How do you know if you're overtraining and how important are the days off? And, you know, I get a lot of overtraining questions, and the truth is most people are a long, long way from overtraining. You know, it's not necessarily the workouts in the gym that are putting them, you know, making them sick or making them run down. It's really their life and their lifestyle and their nutrition that's not able to support their stress and their exercise habits. But in general, I really just think that the phrase overtraining is overused And the real concern with training five, six, seven days per week is overuse injury. So it's not overtraining, but, you know, sore elbows, bad knees, lower back problems, shoulder problems. If you're training five, six, seven days per week and never giving your muscles, your joints, tendons a chance to recover, you are going to end up with overuse injuries, like a baseball player who throws a baseball Every day, you know. Overuse injuries are much more common than overtraining injuries, and that's the real problem. So the bottom line is don't worry about overtraining. Worry about overuse injury. And don't go and design your own program if unless you're a professional. What you should be doing is finding a program that gets you amazing results in three to four days per week that is not training the shoulder joint three to four days per week but giving the shoulder joint some time off because that's the biggest problem when it comes to muscle building programs. You know, when I was a kid and I was training 6 days per week, it wasn't a it shouldn't have been a surprise to anyone who was smart, unlike myself, that I ended up with shoulder problems from overtraining. By doing bench press on Monday and then doing back on Tuesday, that's 2 days in a row of shoulder training, then doing legs on Wednesday. And if you're doing any squats, you're putting stress on your shoulder and then doing shoulders and, I don't know, whatever I was doing back then, shrugs, I guess, shoulders and upper back on Thursday, training the shoulder joint again, and then arms on Friday, training the shoulder joint again, and then whatever the heck I was doing on Saturday, maybe just abs or something, maybe I wasn't training the shoulder joint that day. Five days in a row, of shoulder joint training, it's not a surprise that you end up with bad shoulders. So overuse injury is the big deal, not overtraining. And that is why most of my programs are only three days per week, and some of them are four days per week, but an upper lower so that you get a lot less activity on certain joints during that split. Okay, so let's take a look at Friday. we got meatheads for lean and jacked workout C. We're going to start with a deadlift, eight reps. Two seconds to lower the bar to the floor. Take a one-second pause, so don't bounce as soon as you hit the floor, and then pull the weight up you're going to rest a minute and you're going to go into dumbbell one-arm standing shoulder press with your palm facing in towards your head. And what this does compared to a military press with a barbell is it puts less stress on the shoulder joint rotator cuff. And it even puts less stress than if you have your elbow rotated out and your palm facing towards the mirror or towards, you know, away from, um, you know, in front of you. That position puts a little more stress on your shoulder than if you have your, Elbow in, palm facing your head, and you're holding your dumbbell right beside your head and pressing up. So that's what you're going to do. All reps on one side, then all reps on the other. And brace your abs and put your free hand right down on your obliques, and that way you know your abs are working. And that's how you build that really strong core that, you know, people are always talking about. It's a really strong torso, as I prefer to say. You're going to go through that superset just one more time. And then into chin ups, where you're just going to go one set, and you're going to go one rep short of failure. So really, really push it, not all the way to the max, but almost all the way to the max. Then you go into the kettlebell 555, which is a 550 rep little circuit here. You're going to do each exercise in as few sets as possible. You do the kettlebell swings straight, so you know however many reps sets you need. Then you do a superset of prisoner squats and stability ball rollouts. And then you do a superset of bodyweight squats and push-ups, and you rest as little as possible between all of this. So you start with two hand kettlebell swings for 100 reps. You can use the same weight as you did the day before. You can use a little heavier weight. Then you do prisoner squats and stability ball jackknives in a superset. You're aiming for 100 total prisoner squats and 50 repetitions of jackknives. So you might go 25. You'll aim for 25 reps of the squats and 12 reps of the jackknives, And go through that about four times, and that gets you up to 148. So you'll do a couple extra reps of the jackknives, And then you go on into bodyweight squats and push-ups. So you're going to do bodyweight squats for a total of 100 reps. So in this, the bodyweight squat, your hands are just going to be out in front of you. And you're going to aim for 105 push-ups. So you're going to go about 25 reps of bodyweight squats and 26 push-ups per set. You might need to take a few extra breaks in the push-ups there, but again, you're going for 100 total reps of bodyweight squats and 105 total reps of push-ups. And if you do that four, if you do the 25-26 split four times, you get up to 100 and 105. And then you go back to kettlebell swings and you do 100 more reps. So you got 100 reps, kettlebell swings. Then you have a a superset of 100 prisoner squats and 50 stability ball jackknives. Then you have another superset of bodyweight squats for 100 reps, and push-ups for 105 reps, and then you have a straight set of kettlebell swings for 100 reps, and that's it, with no interval training added in there either. And then we're on to social sports Saturday. We're taking the day off, we're not doing hard training, just 30 minutes of fun activity. So if you did interval training on Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, you would end up with an overuse injury more than likely, not an overtraining situation, but an overuse injury. But on Social Support Saturday, we just want to take it easy, and then we want to look at our social support in our life. And so I have a quote here from Bill Phillips, and he says, the more we reach out and give to others, the stronger and richer, in every sense of these two words, our own lives become. And so giving social support to other people is important in helping you get success because the more you help others, the more you teach And the more you teach, the more you teach yourself and you learn and you understand and you drill the repetition into your head and it becomes more of a habit for you. So I really believe that helping others is a way that will help yourself and help you get more results. Now, if you don't have social support, one thing you should do is take charge as the leader. Be confident in your choices. Help other people because people will respect your decisions even if it seems at first they don't. A lot of my friends resisted training and nutrition in our early 20s when I was the only one doing it. And, yeah, I had to sacrifice, you know, a few things. You know, instead of, you know, going to the barbecue at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, I would, you know, either be working or I would train or play, uh, you know, the sports that I was still playing until 5 or 6. And I'd get there a couple hours late, but I was still able to go and have a great life. But I had a little bit more discipline. Those guys, it took them about till age 30 When they finally wisened up, you know, they were overweight, they were tired, they had no energy, and they made the changes. But they only made the changes, well, not only because of me, but in part because of my consistency with my habits of me being proud of what I was doing and, you know, the consistency and the commitment. And so when you make a commitment and you're consistent with your actions, people are going to see that and they're going to say, hey, you know what, you're really the role model for me. I really appreciate what you're doing. And then you help them, and you get even better than if you didn't have someone to help. Okay? So make sure that you understand that. Soon people will come to you for advice and support. You're the one making the right decision. Finally, I want to get into Sunday, our planned shopping and prepare day. So, you know, get 30 minutes of activity, take some time, do your shopping, prepare your meals, et cetera, Get ready for the week ahead. And now, you know... To go on from that social support stuff, I want to talk about my friend Stacy. Uh, Stacy is an internet buddy of mine. He uh, has a real estate business or something. I can't remember what it is. But he uh, lives down in Austin. And when I saw him, I saw him the other week in Austin at a seminar, and I hadn't seen him in about a year and a half. And he looked lean. He looked younger. He literally looked as young as me, if not younger, even though he just turned 40. And I said to him, "Okay, dude, you, you know, what have you done? What have you done in the last year that has allowed you to make this incredible change?" I mean, he wasn't overweight because he's a very tall individual, but he's lean, and you can really see it in his in his arms and and just the way he carries himself. And so, you know, what he said was he stopped drinking a lot of alcohol, and by doing that, he was able to make much better choices. And he started working out consistently. What, but what he was doing was he worked out for about six months and got a few results before he finally changed his nutrition. And then he got about 15 pounds of body fat loss in about six months or three to three months, sorry. So he really made the changes when he got serious with his nutrition. And so I mentioned alcohol. And what he was doing is he had the box at the Cowboys, uh, Dallas Cowboys games. And he would go up there with his wife and their friends and... He would drink a lot and he would make very bad dietary decisions and so then he would go back on Monday and work out and you really can't overcome the problem of eating about three to four thousand extra calories of junk every Sunday and then making probably similar mistakes during the week by drinking alcohol. And so the two most, two most important things to understand about alcohol are not these minor things that people talk about in scientific articles. So you hear that alcohol reduces your fat burning, and that may be true, but that's not really what's causing the problem of people gaining belly fat from alcohol. And then you may also have heard that there's a reduced recovery or increased protein breakdown from alcohol, and that's true. So if you go and train and drink, If you compare that to somebody who worked out and didn't drink, you'll see that their protein synthesis is impaired, I believe. I believe it's increased proteins or reduced protein synthesis or it might be an increase in protein breakdown. I can't remember the exact way how it goes, but those are two minor things. The biggest things we have to worry about are obviously the calories from alcohol, but even more important than that is bad dietary decisions that alcohol causes us to make because we associate drinking alcohol with eating nachos and chicken wings, etc., And most people don't realize that in a drink of alcohol, there's probably about 150 calories. So beer is 150 calories. A light beer, about 110 calories. A shot of alcohol is about 100 to 150 calories, not including the mix. So Jack and Coke drinkers, you pretty much are almost doubling how many calories if you're drinking it with regular Coke. And so if you drink 10 Jack and Cokes, you're up at 2,000 to 3,000 calories. And I know there's some guys listening who can drink 10 Jack and Cokes, and I know there's some people listening who think that's the most outrageous thing in the world. You know, that person would be dead if they drank that much alcohol. But, you know, there's obviously a continuum of people listening and how much they drink. But you you see how extreme the alcohol intake has to be to consume 2,000 calories. So if you drink 10 beers, regular beers you consume 1,500 calories, and that's, you know, quite excessive. So for the average person who drinks three beers, you're really only drinking 450 calories, and that's less than a Big Mac. And so you see that if you have a decrease in inhibition in your nutrition, that means if you're a person who eats well, all, you know, most of the time, but if you go out and have two drinks, the next thing you do is you order the Bloomin' Onion from Outback, that's where you get in trouble. Because you can easily eat 3,000, 4,000 calories from that type of restaurant, from Outback or at a football game. And that is two to three to four to five times even more the number of calories that you consumed in alcohol. So people are always blaming alcohol when, in fact, it really is probably the junk food that they're eating that is causing the problem. All right, so that was a long-winded dissertation there of alcohol and fat loss, but really, as much as people blame alcohol, it's not the alcohol, it's the food you eat because of the alcohol. So indirectly, the alcohol causes the belly fat. All right, so that is something that I cover in the new TurbulenceTraining.com travel report. And so as I mentioned before, there is already a travel report, and you can get the travel report from my trip to Europe at TurbulenceTraining.com forward slash travel report, and you'll discover the 10 things you need to know to get lean and stay lean while traveling. And I thought I covered everything, but in fact, I didn't. And so in my recent trip to a business seminar and my trip to Mexico, I probably came up with another 10 very important tips to get lean and stay lean while traveling. And that's going to be another free report. And so if, you're, if you get this one, you'll immediately be alerted to the new one, when it comes out. And so I'll probably have that done in about a week or two. And it's really cool. got some great travel stories and also some very, very important travel tips for getting lean and staying lean on the road. All right, so that's it for this week. Well, there's a lot of information we covered in this call. It was a really great call. I hope you'll agree with me. And next week, we're going to come back and we're going to do the TT Bodyweight 500, another blast from the past. We're going to do a research review on calcium and weight loss. And hopefully, I'll get some experts to weigh in on that And we're going to finish with some research on beating anxiety with exercise, as that is a topic that uh, has some personal implications for me. So we'll talk about that next time. Thanks, everyone, for being on the call. This is Craig Ballantyne from TurbulenceTraining.com and TTFatLoss.com. Make sure you pick up that travel report and look for TT Transformation 3 coming this week. Bye-bye, everyone.